Before we look into God's word together, let us speak with him again. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray that you may help us to understand it by giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit's wisdom. Lord, we pray that he may give us insight. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened to know the power that you have blessed us with in so many ways and particularly the power of your word. May it indeed change our hearts this morning to be more like Christ as we study your word together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what are the benefits of signing up to an organisation? What are the benefits of signing up to anything? There's lots of people who want you to sign up to different things that they're offering you. What is the benefit of signing up to something? Uh, For example, the NRMA, the National Roads and Motorists Association, is uh, an organisation that loves you to sign up to them. And what is the benefit of being with the National Roads and Motorists Association with the NRMA? Well, they're of a great benefit to me, and I do sign up to them. I am a proud member of the NRMA uh, for my two vehicles uh, because, of course, when the car breaks down... They are there to assist me. They are there to come out and fix it. And this is wonderful for me because I am hopeless with cars. So the NRMA is something that is held up in high esteem by me, whereas Jill's brother-in-law, who's married to Jill's sister, uh, he is not so uh, high, and one who highly esteems the NRMA. He actually says that the NRMA stands for when no real mechanic is available. No real mechanic available. That's uh, when you call the NRMA. Uh, But for me, the NRMA is of great benefit. I enjoy uh, being a member of the NRMA because they have helped me out on a number of occasions when the car has broken down. Uh, That hasn't happened so much, but it's been more the case that I've locked my keys in the car and they've been there to come and break into the vehicle uh, and do something that is really not supposed to be done to my car, but of course needs to be done when my keys have been locked in there. The question, though, is what is the benefit of being a Christian? What is the benefit of signing up to Christianity? Just like there's lots of things that want us to sign up to them, Christianity is something that makes an offer to you, wants something from you, and also makes an offer to you. What is the benefit of signing up to Christianity? One thing that we have a problem with in our life is, of course, physical death. Is there a benefit of signing up to Christianity that we will avoid physical death? Is that one of the benefits of Christianity, that we can somehow save ourselves from death? Some of you might say yes. But the text that we're going to look at this morning makes quite clear that Christians do indeed physically die. And that's my first main point this morning. As we look at the benefits of Christianity, we're going to look at verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 4, which we've been looking at for a number of weeks now. We've come to verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 4, which is found on page 1203 of the Black Church Bibles, 1203. And the first thing that we notice is that Christians die. Verse 6 says, For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. Even to those who are now dead. The gospel was preached to people who are now dead. Now, when did this letter get written? Well, this letter was written by Peter, and we estimate between 62 and 63 AD is our best guess. And you've got to remember that Jesus died in AD 33, and so there's been about 30 years of preaching the gospel. Jesus died, and then soon after, days after, people started to proclaim that Jesus Christ 
was indeed alive and that if you repented of your sins and believed in Jesus, you could be saved, that there were benefits of signing up to Christianity. But by the time 63 AD rolls around, people have heard the gospel, been converted, and then what has happened? They've died physically. They've heard the gospel, as it says there in verse 6, and then they have actually died. And so physical death for a Christian is still a harsh reality. It's not as though you trust in Jesus, have your sins forgiven, and then remember the wages of sin is death, and so if your sins are forgiven, well then you're not supposed to die, are you? But we see again and again, as these early Christians did, that Christians have their sins forgiven, but they still die. Graveyards around the world are full of Christians, people who have died even though they have trusted in Jesus Christ. And so then the question is asked, well, why be a Christian? If Christianity doesn't seem to solve the great problem of humanity, what are the two things that are sure in life? Well, death and taxes. And I'm not going to talk this morning about whether Christianity saves you from taxes, but does it save you indeed from death? Well, the answer, if you look around at the graveyards of the world, is no. We still die. Christianity doesn't save you from death because here, even in verse 6, it admits, for this reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. People heard the gospel, received the gospel, and are now dead. So the question then is, well, what is the benefit of signing up to Christianity? Maybe Christianity gives you a peaceful, wonderful, pleasure-filled life. Maybe that's the benefit of being a Christian. And that brings me to my second main point, which you can see on there on the back of the church bulletin. My second main point this morning is Christians die after being judged by men, according to men. Christians die after being judged according to men. See, if you still died as a Christian but got to live a richly rewarding, blissful life, maybe being a Christian would be worthwhile. Maybe that would be a reason to sign up to Christianity is because it makes life hunky-dory for you. It makes it a blissful, happy life. But we see that the Christian life doesn't promise a blissful life, a pleasure-filled life. Instead, Christianity actually increases trouble often in this life, that it increases persecution and pain. And we actually see this in verse 6 as well. We saw in verse 6 that Christians die. The other thing that we see in verse 6 is, For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The second thing we see is that Christians who have heard the gospel are judged according to men in regard to the body. Christians are judged. And this can mean a good thing. Being judged is not necessarily a bad thing. So why am I taking this here that judged is a bad thing? Why is it a bad thing to be judged in this world as a Christian by others around us? Because, of course, the word judgment can mean a good thing. It can be used in a positive sense. Uh, In other parts of the Bible it is translated in that way, and a Greek lexicon uses for this this Greek word uh, the possibility of translating it as, or the understanding of it is, to make a judgment based on taking various factors into account, judge, think, 
consider, look upon. Those kinds of ideas are what, how we often translate the word, this Greek word, judge. And judging something is good. To discern things, to think about things, to make judgments about something is a good thing. To use your mind to judge is a good thing. So why would it be wrong that, why is it a bad thing in this verse that we are judged? Well, the word judge can also be used in a negative sense, and it is often used that way in the Bible. And so another way of translating the meaning of such a word is to pass an unfavorable judgment upon someone, criticize, find fault with them. And another translation, of course, is the word condemn. That when someone's judging you, they're condemning you. And we actually see this in different translation in the NIV translation of this word in the New Testament. For example, in John 5:24, we see it translates at the NIV. It says, "I tell you the truth, Jesus is speaking. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life." And that word "condemned" there is the same word that is translated here, "judged." There it is clearly talking about condemnation because it's paralleled with he has crossed over from death to life. It's a bad thing to be judged. In that sense there in John chapter 5, 24. And also in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two, Paul says when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined. So it translates the word judge as judge, judged by the Lord. But is it a positive thing? No, Paul is saying we are being disciplined when we are judged by the Lord. It is a bad thing to be disciplined. Discipline has a good idea uh, associated with it. It says that we have done something wrong and are being smacked for it. And so here in this text, I think it is indeed talking about a negative sense of judgment that can be uh, rightly translated, as it has been in different parts of the Bible, that judgment can have a negative connotation. And why do I think it's that reason here, that it's not a positive judgment that's going on? It's because of the context. Who is doing the judging? Well, it's judging, uh, verse 6, it says, so they might be judged according to men in regard to the body. Judged by men. And what has the context been telling us about? What have we looked at in previous weeks? We've looked at men saying certain things. And what was that back in verse 4? They think, that's non-Christians, as we've looked at in previous weeks, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. And so the context tells us that that's what this verse 6 is referring to, is this judging that happens by men towards us, which is really abuse. It's condemnation. They insult us. They ridicule us. They call us foolish. They're making a judgment that being a Christian is foolishness. It's stupid. And they will actually say that you're doing wrong things. They say evil about you. They speak evil about you instead of good about you. And why would they do this? Well, when we looked at that verse, I spoke about how they're afraid of you and how you, you, um, you, they, when you do the right thing, they want to abuse you because, of course, you're putting them in a poor light and they don't like that. But the other thing is, of course, that they can make fun of you in some ways because the fact that Christians still die makes you an object of ridicule. I mean, if you go around proclaiming the fact that if you become a Christian, you'll get saved from death, and then what happens? Well, you die soon after you may have proclaimed that message. Well, what are they going to say? They're going to say, you're an idiot. Obviously, Christianity doesn't help you. You still died. 
You, you don't know what you're talking about. And this is particularly for non-Christians that don't believe in any sort of judgment after death, which many of, they did, and many of them did at this time and many still do today. They don't believe there's any judgment to come. And basically you've got to live life now, enjoy life as much as you can, and then die and that's it. And so if you come along as a Christian and say, ah, we have salvation from death, with this message. And by the way, if you become a Christian, well, then you've got to avoid all those kinds of sins that were listed in verse 3, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry, which, to be quite honest, for most people sounds like a good deal of fun. That's the message of Christianity. Then you're an idiot for being a Christian. You're foolish because you're still going to die and... You're going to get ridiculed by people around you. They're going to heap abuse on you. And you've got to avoid all these kinds of fun sins. And so the life of Christians, the benefit of being a Christian is clearly not that you avoid physical death and clearly not that you somehow have this blissful, wonderful life, which is what many people strive after, this, this life of pleasure, filledness. And so they would soon check with Christianity. If you say, I've got this wonderful news for you, and they say, oh, well, how does that increase my pleasure in this life? And the message of Christianity doesn't tell you how your pleasure is increased in this life. In fact, the message of Christianity can tell you how your, your life may be uh, not one full of pleasure. Instead, it may be one full of suffering and pain. I mean, in some contexts, of course, we do have a lot of pleasure in this life as a Christian. But in other contexts... And you never know what might happen in Australia. It could be a life of intense suffering and pain for being a Christian. So why be a Christian? You die, you struggle to avoid sin, and then you suffer abuse. And it's not abuse that's after you die. And it's not like people hear about the message of Christianity from your lips and then they say, all right, um, okay, well, we'll weigh that up. And then you die and they say, oh, well, what an idiot for believing that. When does it happen? What does it say in verse 6? So it might be judged according to men in regard to the body. You're actually judged while you're in the body now. People will abuse you. What is the benefit of being a Christian? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Christians die but live according to God. Christians die, but live according to God. You see that in verse 6, the last part of verse 6. The first part of verse 6 can sound depressing, but the last part of verse 6 provides us with comfort. Verse 6 says, For this reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. We live according to God in regard to the Spirit. If you become a Christian, you really do live. And you live eternally. You live according to God. And that is to really live. See, the thing is, non-Christians look at you and the life that you live as a Christian and the way you avoid the sins that they think are fun. They think that you should be partying instead of avoiding these parties. And they think that you don't live. And when you, we looked at these uh, verses, it starts to look like an impossible way to live. When we looked at verse 3, and I was talking about how television, actually, we may avoid many of these sins in one respect, but in television, it brings it into our home. And to actually try and cut those things out looks like you just can't live in this world. It's impossible. Well, verse 6 tells us that we 
do live. We really live because we live according to God. We're not living according to men and being judged by men. Instead, we live according to God. And that means that we live in this world and then we really live in the next. See, we are saved from death as a Christian. We're not saved from physical death, but we're saved from that second death, the eternal death, the eternal condemnation, the eternal judgment of God in a negative sense. Just like this is a judgment in a negative sense here in this verse from men, there is a negative judgment from God. And a lot of the Old Testament, when it talks about judgment, it's talking about that. It's not talking about a fun day. It's talking about a judgment, a bad, scary day. And there is a judgment coming. But for those who have heard the gospel, it says in verse 6, and are now dead and were judged in the body, they did have abuse heaped on them when they were alive, What's happening to them now? They're living according to God in regard to the Spirit. They're still alive and they're living with God. They're living according to God. And so we see many texts in Scripture talk about this, that people who have died are indeed alive after death. Jesus says to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. You will live after you die this horrible, excruciating death of crucifixion. You will be with me in paradise. Paul talks about, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. He knows that when he dies, he will be with Christ. And what does Jesus say about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? In Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, he says, these guys who have long been dead before Jesus showed up, their graves were around. What does he say? He says that God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God is not the God of dead people. He's not the God of lots of graves in this world of dead Christians. He is the God of the living. And and we know that because he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When they had been dead, he's there at the burning bush telling Moses... I am the God of Abraham. Abraham's here with me in heaven. I am his God. I'm still his God. I was his God. I am his God. I will be his God in the future. He's alive. He's with me. I know Abraham. I know Isaac. I know Jacob. They're not just dead bodies in a grave somewhere. I am their God right here and now. And that is the benefit of being a Christian. Dead Christians are in glory now, really living Non-Christians think that real living is these kinds of sins here often. They think that you party here now and then die and that's it. Christians instead know how to really live. We will be partying, celebrating in heaven for trillions of years, for eternity. They may party here in what they call a good time, which is not a good time, it's actually a bad time. The deceitfulness of these sinful desires and these sins is actually detrimental to us. They think they're parting now and enjoying themselves. It's nothing in comparison to the enjoyment that we will have in heaven for decades, centuries, millennia. It just goes on and on and on. We know how to live as Christians. Yes, it may mean that we still die in this world by being a Christian. It may mean that we die faster because people don't want us to be around and they chop off our heads. 
And we see that in the New Testament. Christians died pretty quickly. It wasn't like all the first Christians died of old age and it took a while to work out that Christianity doesn't save you from physical death. No, Stephen was martyred pretty early on. James was beheaded. James, the brother of John. Christians still die, but we do live on eternally. So there is a benefit of being a Christian. There is the most wonderful benefit you can get in the world. Signing up to Christianity is definitely worth it. Signing up to the NRMA saves you when your car breaks down and dies. Signing up to Christianity saves you when your body breaks down and dies. There's no one else on this planet who offers such a great truth, such a great benefit. Yes, there may be other religions that say, yes, you'll be safe after death, but none of them have been able to prove it in the way that Christianity has by bringing someone back from the dead to show that it's possible, and that is Jesus Christ. His resurrection is so important because he authenticates that there is life after death for those who trust in him. And so if you're here this morning, are you one of these people who has heard the gospel preached and will one day die, but will one day live according to God in regard to the Spirit? Have you heard the gospel? Maybe not. Maybe every time, you may have heard it many times, but it's gone in one ear and out the other as Satan snatches it away, like the parable of the the seed being scattered and it falls on the path. And what happens? Satan comes and snatches the word out of your brain. Well, I want to tell you again this morning what the gospel is. What is the good news about Jesus Christ? How do you share the gospel with someone? Well, a good way of remembering the gospel, or if you haven't heard it before, I'll explain to you now, is you have God, man, Christ response. God, man, Christ response. God exists. He created the world. He created humans. Then what happens? God, man, man sinned against God and is now under condemnation from God, judgment of God because of his sin against the God who created him. God, man, then what? Christ. Because otherwise it's just bad news. The first part is bad news. Those first two things, God, man, if it's all about man sinning and under condemnation, that's not good news. That's not the gospel. What's next? Christ. God sent his one and only son into the world to take that punishment for us, to take that condemnation for us. And then what else? Because at that point it's a case of, well, okay, he died for some people, but how is it for me? Response, the last one. How do you respond to that? By repentance and faith. By repenting of your sins and believing that Jesus Christ died for you and so that you can have eternal life. I mean, that's what John 5, 24, which I read out before, to show the word judge can mean condemnation. That's what it's telling you. What does Jesus say? I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. What is key there? You need to believe in God, the one who sent Jesus That's your response. You need to believe in him. And if you have, well, then you're not condemned. You've crossed over from death to life. I encourage you this morning to be one of these people that it's speaking about in verse 6. For this reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. I've just preached the gospel to you now. One day you will be dead. 
It's a reality, unless, of course, Jesus returns. One day, this verse will be talking about you. Are you going to be someone that hears the gospel and then lives according to God in regard to the Spirit, is clearly someone who is a Christian because you have accepted, you have responded that way you should in repentance and faith in God? Or are you going to be someone that is spoken about in verse 5, which we looked at last week? Those people who abuse Christians in verse 4 are then spoken of in verse 5. What did it say about them? But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They will be condemned eternally. So that's the difference between unbelievers and believers. Unbelievers die, wake up and meet a judge. Believers die and wake up and meet a saviour. I encourage you, if you're here this morning, you've heard the gospel preached, trust in Jesus for the benefits, the benefit that comes of the fact that you will live according to God in the spirit. Yes, you will still die. Yes, you will be judged by people around you. And it will hurt. It will be done while you're alive, while you're in the body, Peter says. It happened to people in the body in the past and it still does today. It will hurt. But the benefit is far greater. I mean, Paul, what does he say? I consider, in Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Our sufferings that we experience now are not worth comparing with the life we're going to live in heaven. And so if you're a Christian and you're here this morning, this is actually a verse of comfort for you. I mean, that's why it's being put here as well. It's not primarily to go for unbelievers. It's here to encourage believers because believers are living a hard life. In the time of Peter, they were, and they still do today. The book of Peter is really a book of complete encouragement for those who are being persecuted. And we've seen, we saw last week a way that we're encouraged when we're persecuted. What was that? Verse 5 spoke about the judgment that will happen to people who abuse us, that we can leave it all with God when we're abused, when we're persecuted. We leave it with God knowing that he is there. He'll make sure everything's okay. We don't have to take judgment into our own hands and fight back. We can take abuse from people and just leave it with God. And then he's given us another encouragement here in verse 6 that remember what happens to you after you die. These Christians that you know, who you dearly loved, who have died, they're living with God. They're alive in regards to the Spirit. And that is a wonderful encouragement for us. That means that when people abuse us, what are we meant to be thinking about? Well, you can think about the fact that God's going to judge them, but you can also think about the fact that no matter what they do to you, you're going to really live. Yes, you even have that, some of that life now. We do have many blessings of being a Christian in this world. I haven't spoken about them, but that's not what the point of this passage is. This passage is pointing us to the greatest benefit of all and the fact that we live after death. And so there is a cost to being a Christian. There's a cost to signing up to pretty much anything. If I, as I sign up to the NRMA, they seem to take an increasingly larger lump out of my, my income for the year. And it's the same with Christianity. It does cost to be a Christian. It will cost you abuse in your life. It will cost you these sins that you crave to do. But there is great benefit. There is great benefit because 
you will live a life of pleasure. And it won't just be a life of pleasure for 70-odd years. Or maybe, what are we now, life expectancy has gone up in Australia. We're 80-odd years, I should say. It won't just be pleasure for 80-odd years. It'll be pleasure for eternity. And that is the benefit of signing up to Christianity. And I encourage you all to do so. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we admit that we are indeed sinners and we deserve death. We deserve to die physically in this world. But Lord, it is such a wonderful truth that in your mercy you have given us life after death. That even though we may die in this world and even though we may suffer abuse and judgment from those around us while in the body, when we leave this body we will truly live in the spirit according to you. Lord, we pray that we may all in this room have trusted in our sin, uh, trusted in you for our sins, repented of them. And Lord, we pray that we may all be ones who, as people persecute us for being Christians, as they heap abuse on us, that we may remember the marvellous benefit of being a Christian, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.